Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, friends. I'm so excited to tell you about this wonderful product that I've recently discovered. Companies offer to send me products for free to try it out, and I'm always a little resistant because I don't want to take things that I don't need or want. But when Canuda reached out to me, I was intrigued because they were offering me a pillow that had been researched and designed ergonomically by no other than a physical therapist. Woohoo! It has been tested and proven for over 10 years and already loved by more than 2 million customers worldwide. Well, you can add me to that 2 million. I love it. It is the first ever pillow to incorporate physical therapy techniques like cranial sacral, where it relieves neck pain and induces a proper sleep position. You can lie on your back or side. I usually end up on my side and I still wake up feeling great because this quality memory foam supports my skull and the cervical spine. So you don't wake up with those cricks in your neck. I, like so many of you, have struggled to find that perfect pillow that really supports me in different positions. And this is it. You've got to try it. If you've tried to arrange your products in the past and nothing has seemed to work, try Canuda. And we have a discount. So go to the show notes to get a coupon and get that discount at CanudaUSA.com. I'm in love with this pillow and I can't wait for you to try it. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you ask the questions and we answer. We, meaning me and KB. KB is Kristen Williams, fabulous PT, lit senior teacher, and one of my best buddies. I love you. I love you. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Hi, y'all. All right, we'll get started here. Julia Gerbig asks, even after mobilizing my stiff neck, I still have issues moving pain-free. Any suggestions? Wah-oh. Oh, that's so- Stiff neck. Oh. I know. That's a great question, Julia, and you are not alone. Mobilizing isn't enough, and certainly just the neck. So I would look at other areas. You know, uh, how is your upper back moving? How is your pelvis? And then look at your life. Look at your day-to-day activities. Um, I don't know what you do for a living, how you spend a lot of your time, but I think we see a lot of um, history show up in our body based on what we're doing throughout the day. So can you make little changes, uh, whether it's 
changing how your computer station is set up at work, switching the side of the bed you sleep on, um, being mindful of if you are in business that you aren't always, you know, turning and looking at, let's say, well, today I was in a PA meeting, my first parents association meeting, <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, first of all, I haven't been in a meeting in like, I don't even know how long, but, <laughs> you know, and I was finding myself, I was turning and looking this one direction. I was like, oh my gosh, Kristen. So I er, turned my chair, but you know, you don't necessarily always want to be straight on. We're doing this zoom a lot. So is there a reason why your neck is hurting? I tell my patients and my clients alike, you know, this is not something, especially when it comes to the neck being stiff. You can't just do it once a day. You can't just do it three times a week, especially. You can, it's something that you need to be applying throughout your day. Whenever I have a stiff neck, I mean, I am moving it a lot. I'm mobilizing my upper back. Look to see how is your posture? Is your neck always working with this forward head? You know, is it just the weight of the head increases dramatically? I mean, dramatically, the further it comes forward with each 10 degrees. I, don't, I can't think of the numbers off the top of my head, but you have this 10 pound head that ends up weighing, quote unquote, 60 pounds with the forward head. So, you know, what work is your neck doing all day long? Where can you spread the workout throughout your body, whether it's getting that posture better, um, getting more mobility strengthen your shoulder girdle to stabilize, you know, how are you carrying backpacks? Uh, if you have young kids, car seats, you always carry the kid on the same side of your back. There's a lot of things when it comes to the neck that I find we need to look at what you're doing all day, what's your posture and how can we take strain off of it? So it's not held in that rigid position all the time. What else do you have to add to that, Laura? Everything you said, it's, you have to look at everything. And here's the thing, your neck is the most mobile segment of your spine. So if it's stiff, what does that tell you? That tells you that there's an imbalance. There's an imbalance in how it's being held, how, you know, to KB's point, how you're looking at, like there's an imbalance that creates that stiff feeling because ultimately it's incredibly mobile if the head, the skull is balanced on the cervical spine, nice, nicely and delightfully, we wouldn't have, I mean, you'd probably see a ton of kids. They don't have any neck issues. When do they start getting it? It's when we start doing these habitual things. So, I mean, I'm a PT, I'm hugely observant and I'll be in the middle of looking at my phone going, Laura, what are you doing? Like, literally I'll say it to my house self, like, what are you doing? Like, I can feel the strain on my neck. And I know better and I'm examining myself and I'm even saying it. So you have to just really become that observer and pick the phone up, pick your skull up, move it back in space to Kristen's point. Don't just look at the neck, look below, look at how the thoracic spine is. Cause if your shoulders are rounded forward, you don't have a lot, you know, that there's your neck is always going to be tugged on because it's, you know, it's sharing these connections to the scapula, to the humeral head, to the clavicle. And so you have to look at the whole thing. Let's just be honest. This is a lifelong pursuit. It's not like, oh, what am I gonna do with my stiff neck? You're just gonna be working on it every single day. You're gonna think, you know what? I'm waking up, it hurts more than it did during the day. Let me look at the pillow I'm sleeping on. It hurts more at the end of the day. Let me look at what I was doing in the mid-afternoon. Like you're just gonna become your own little, um, 
it really is an experiment. That's what I think life is about is kind of like our, our mental health, our emotional health, that this is our neck health. We're never going to get it. We're going to pay attention because it matters. And if it's getting, if it's staying stiff to the point, it probably means you haven't been paying attention enough. Even if you just started mobilizing it, or maybe even if you're mobilizing it, you know, regularly, you're not there yet. You got to really balance it out and not just do the neck as well. So um, there's a lot to be said because, but I think the biggest thing is just to realize like we need to pay attention all the time as all the time, because half the time, even if we think we are, we're not. So it's like, we really have to pay attention. And those habits, like KB was saying, like where it, you know, are you always looking in this direction, always turning that direction? Uh, Like my husband and I will be talking and I noticed this happened like just a couple of weeks ago. Like I was always like this. And I said, you need to move. Like move in line with me because we were like sitting on the couch and I was, but I was in a position where I couldn't stretch. Anyway, so I was like, you need to move because you're, I'm, you're making me turn like that all the time. And so, you know, those little things, they just add up. So I think, just think of it as part of your health package. We're not, we, the more we pay attention, we're actually, we're improving it. So it's not something that we're just going to ever take the gas off of. No, I love that. That's so true. All right. On to the next one here from our friend, Julie Glick. She says, good movement, which I love that, by the way. I have a short personal question for the Wednesday Q&A. Whenever I am sitting in the driver's seat of my car or on an airplane seat, the headrest hits the back of my skull in such a way that it puts me right into forward head. I'm doing my best to engage my core and maintain triple S so I don't look and feel like a kyphotic vulture. (laughs) But it's a real problem for those of us who are of short stature. Suggestions, please. Thank you from my head down to my sacrum. You want to start? Well, Julie, we love you. And from two tall-ish women, I'm almost 5'9", KB's what, 5'11"? Yeah. Yeah, so we definitely can't relate. So I, I think like what you're doing, the best you can is try and you know, adapt your environment to help you out. I've had a lot of people take their car seat headrest away you know, just take it away completely because a lot of, a lot of times, you know, unless you have a really fancy model or something, and even some of them, it's just only going to kind of accommodate a certain body frame. And if you take it away and then use something else, like you could put a, I mean, people have taken their own like foam kind of pillows and stuck it hair and, you know, it has the, your scapula, you can still get them. You just, and, and you might not even need a headrest, by the way. I like the headrest because it does kind of help give me feedback, but don't feel like you have to be stuck with the headrest that the car comes with. That would be my first suggestion. Um, On the plane, I know you're probably not on the plane as much. And on the plane, it's just like, you know, you just do your best because I don't think anybody's comfortable on a plane. It's especially now with the way the seats are made. Uh, So if you're traveling a lot, um, God bless you, because uh, in, in terms of, you know, plane travel, it is tough. It is tough. It is tough on the body. So I wouldn't worry about the plane so much. Just get something that you can kind of lean back into and and um, help yourself out. The big thing I would say, um, and then I would turn it over to my wonderful co-host, is watch what your feet are doing. Like for short people, the, I think the bigger issue, not bigger, but just as big of an issue is if the ground is too far away and you're on a certain size seat, and you're kind of dangling off. And I think that's really what propels your pelvis forward, gets you off that plumb line. And so you can, 
get yourself on a lower chair or get something under your feet because people at work, I've actually done some ergonomic stuff long, long, longer ago. It's been a, about three years with some shorter people and they really needed, even the little high, low chair wasn't quite enough. They just, we just put books under there because their legs were kind of, they were scooching out so much that everything was tipping forward to get the feet down. So get your feet at a good height that you can feel the grounding and then support your pelvis and then spine. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. You know, I think the beauty of cars nowadays is they do have a lot of times the seat itself raises and lowers. So knowing how petite Julie is, you know, if, if it's just a matter of two inches, if you can lower your seat two inches, but then sit on a two inch cushion, that's going to raise your butt relative to the actual size of the seat. So it won't mess up where your feet are on the pedals. To your point, Laura, like that matters too. You you need to adjust your feet so you can reach the pedals. Are you reaching too far? So then you're rounding in the, you know, there's a lot of with that adjustment of not only the head, but also the feet. Or uh, can you put a pillow behind your back, which rather than getting rid of the, of the, you're having to get rid of it if yours can't be removed. There's also the safety issue of, you know, we don't, heaven forbid you're in a, the whole point of the headrest is for if you're in a car wreck, so you don't, you know, slam your head back. So, but if you can get, you know, just an inch forward, so then you can actively draw your head back in space. I find this being tall. I love a ponytail. If I'm traveling, I drop my ponytail down to a low so I can pull my head back in space because the ponytail gets in the way. I find I hit the headrest, but it's like, there that is. So can, in the same way that I have something here pushing me forward, can you get something here drawing your body forward and then you can scoot your chair back if you need to, that then you can actively find your posture without that thing hitting you, you know, her headrest is almost acting like my ponytail. Yes. I like that idea better than the headrest. I really forgot about the safety aspect. So just ignore me on that. I like the idea of putting something that brings you forward so that your head then goes back. And maybe even with the headrest, if it still feels uncomfortable, putting something there that can buffer that discomfort a little bit. Yeah. That would be my only thought. Yeah. was when I, is the, you know, God forbid, because I know the headrest, they drive me nuts. And a lot of times, they are so much better now than they used to be where you can't, uh, you know, adjust them. Yeah. Play around height of the seat, getting something underneath you to lift you up or forward to bring you away. And then watching where the feet are as well as that's going to impact where your head ends up lying in relation to the pelvis. Yeah. I mean, being in the car is just rough on the body. So a lot. I know. I know. So you got to get out of the car as much as you can. I know sometimes it's like the necessary evil, but boy, it is hard on the body for sure, especially when you're the driver because you're stuck. (laughs) All right. Speaking of health, I have another question. This is really interesting. This is from um, Hopeless Wanderer 502. She says, can you talk about handling addiction, cigarettes, not crack through yoga, LOL. Well, I think this is so funny because my team knows, like my joke is like, I'm always wanting to snort cocaine. Now I've never snorted cocaine, but I'm, I, I'm like always, I would lo- I love the feeling of 
endless energy. And I, I think I have a lot of energy, but I'm always like, can I have something that, you know, would give me more. So I think that, um, I know myself well, and I think that's why I've never tried drugs because I was like, I just, I think I'd love them. (laughs) I know I'd love them. So I don't, I understand the, um, addictive nature. I think we probably all have some kind of thing we know about ourselves. Like I just, I think I would love that feeling of like boundless energy. And I think cigarettes are not necessarily giving you energy, but my dad smoked. And I remember asking him, I was like, why do you think you smoked? And this was after he quit. And he said, because I think my job was so stressful. Now I had never thought he was an orthopedic surgeon. I never thought of an orthopedic surgeon feeling stressed because they're just coming in mostly fixing. But of course they are. They're uh, they're opening up people. Things can go wrong, you know. And it's just like every moment you and, and you want to improve the person's quality of life, even if it's not a life or death type surgery. It's like their life is in your hand in terms of the how much their life can um, have value and and be you know, pain-free and wonderful. So I never thought about that. So I think, you know, for him, it was definitely for a calming. It was so, because you're saying cigarettes, what I'm thinking is in terms of like knowing your addiction, yoga can help with calming. Yoga can also help with energy. That's the beautiful thing about it. I really think that what it does is it recalibrates us and not in a woo-woo way, in a way that, A, we talk, we talk about posture because posture matters. It is a form of energy exchange, how the weight bearing comes through the body, through the joints in as much of a symmetrical manner as possible. That's energy. If it's coursing through you and there isn't a lot of speed bumps or deterrence in the form of, of suboptimal posture, you're holding on to that energy a lot. You feel more energized. Similarly, if you're very kind of anxious. Um, there's a lot of grounding benefits and not just like put your hand on the ground and you'll feel different, but really the, the making, um, the breath different because a lot of times when people are anxious, they're very upper breath breathers that puts you into more sympathetic nervous system. You're more anxious. And then the cigarette looks that much more enticing. So there's a lot of reasons going into your core. It has been shown not only from the from just like emotionally, but from a neurotransmitter standpoint, when you tap into your core, you are sparking stuff in your brain. And in doing that, there are wonderful little things called dopamine, makes you feel good, makes you feel joyful, also helps with anxiety. Serotonin, which makes you feel happy, but not anxious. So working, and then there's that just empowerment elixir that makes your nervous system more balanced. But I'm going to let you speak more to it. I would just say one thing I will say, get help for cigarettes uh, because they have really shown that this is like close to a heroin in terms of the addiction quality and having witnessed it firsthand for my whole life with my father and he smoked for 45 years please stop smoking. It is not a good ending. I can tell you that. But I also sympathize with how fucking hard it is to stop. So pharmaceuticals aside, he had tried everything, 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 everything. And he ended up quitting on Chantrex, which of course has a ton of class class action lawsuits. So I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you that's what helped him. Whatever it is, you're going to need help. 
And it might be just in the form of accountability. It might just be somebody that like, listen, I'm going to be a complete nutcase for the next two months as I get over this. And you're going to have to fill in that habit with something positive, something good, and you're going to need help. So reach out in, in whatever you way, but I'm not saying it's easy, but please, for your sake, like do yoga, breathe deeply and get help to, to stop smoking. Cause it is just an awful, awful, awful habit. We know it. And it's just addictive. So listen, I would have totally been addicted to it. I, I, like anything you would have handed to me, I probably would have gotten addicted to. So I just, by the grace of God, did not go that route mainly because I saw my dad and my brothers were athletic and we just didn't do that. So please talk about it from your standpoint. Well, I mean, I have a personal standpoint to it also and that my brother smoked for 20 years or more. I think it was right around 20, 21 years. And the game changer for him was when he got, got a chest x-ray for whatever it was, he had pneumonia and they saw the beginning stages of emphysema. And, and that, that for him, like he needed that. And he was only 33, I think when they saw that, you know, so he started smoking at a young age. Like he was literally like 12 or 13. And I never did because I'm like you, I saw my brother and he used to like belch his breath into my face and I would smell it on his clothes. And so like, and I saw other, you know, things that just really set me away from some of the mistakes that he made. But it, it was something he was addicted to. It, it, I mean, it has nicotine, which is highly addictive. Like you're talking about heroin. And it's interesting. Think about it. caffeine, nicotine, morphine, all of these very highly addictive medication, I don't know what you call it, uh, chemicals, chemicals. That is where, like you're saying, your dad got help. If you need, you might need that medical help to break that in addiction, being the nicotine. My brother, it was what he did was he became addicted to exercise. So he started becoming addicted to the dopamine <laughs> in exercise. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's another, it can be addictive. And I think that that's how you talk about it. And I'm the same way. If I don't move, I don't feel right. Um, people will be like, how can you have, you know, been on your little Apple watch? You know, how can you possibly be, you know, not missing your move goal? I'm like, it's an addiction. I'm totally addicted to exercise. I admit it. My name is Kristen. I'm addicted to exercise. Um, Me too. And if I didn't do that, I would be doing something different, you know? So trying to replace it. Yeah. With, uh, and my brother, he, stopped that day has not gone back. Now he did for a while. He did like the, I think there's an oral fixation too. So I think, Oh yeah. My dad had a straw. He would just put it in his mouth and my, my kids were young and they're like, what's grandpappy doing? I said, Oh, you know, he just is used to having like something in his mouth. Like when he used to smoke, I told, I mean, I've told them like oh, he used to smoke and that's what they do. And he, and they'd be like, Ooh, but yeah, he would just, he would have this, he came up with this double and four straw, like he cut it in half and then stuck it in. So it like had firmness and he would just suck on it and have it in his mouth. And it was, yeah. Cause I, I do think the oral thing is there for sure. Yeah. yeah. So you really got your, you know, be compassionate with yourself. You, you have a lot of cards stacked against you here with cigarettes. They are so addictive and get help, get accountability, maybe you need the chest x-ray to see. I mean, I don't know. Maybe then you see, oh, my lungs are great. I mean, yeah, you hear those stories of, oh, they smoked for 60 years and they d- lived till they were 100. Those people are few and far between. Oh, yeah, no. There, and, and let me tell you, there's quality of life and there's quality of life as a smoker and it, it everybody's going to decline when you're a smoker. It, it does. 
I mean, if your brother had a 30 something, my dad didn't get emphysema until he was in his mid sixties and he lived to 79, but it was not, you know, he was cognitively there, but he was limited on what he could do and everything else about him was healthy. But like, if you don't have your lungs working, you're not moving much. You're not enjoying life. It does. It sucks. You're going to get infections. You're going to, and it sounds like you, you want to break this. So we're pulling for you. Yoga, yoga can help, but it might not be enough. I think it's, this is a cool, this is maybe an inspiring story for you in that I work with a client who I've worked with for the last four or five years privately. And she has a lung disease that was, it was not brought on by smoking or it was actually brought on, believe it, by, by a SARS virus. And we started working together and she has, goes to the pulmonologist once a year, you know, gets, has chest x-rays for years. And we've actually seen with her doing yoga with me three times a week, they have seen improvement in her deep, those deep alveoli have improved. So that's what you, and my brother has since had an x-ray because he got some sort of, you know, chest and his has improved. The lungs are pretty, they can, if you decide to stop, they, with the breath work, with exercise, with yoga, you can make a change. Uh, I've seen it at least in those two personal case studies between my client and my brother who have switched to, my brother switched to exercise. My client, she was, she would walk for exercise, but she took on yoga where we really focus on her breath. It's phenomenal. That's amazing. And the other thing I'll just add about addiction in general, and this could be insert anything like, you know, whatever, or, or just a habit that is really not serving you is be your cheerleader. You know, that's one reason when I, I look at my lit yoga mat and, and you don't have to buy one, but it's awesome if you do because it has it on there, but write down, I can, you have to believe it. And then you have to reinforce it because this is a, this is like a demon. You know, this is like a battle. <laughs> You're in a battle and it's internal to prevail. You actually have to be a cheerleader. You know, you have to like, say like, this is something and it sucks and I'm recognizing it and I want to break it and I'm going to do it with compassion, but major courage. And I'm just going to keep at it. So if you stumble and like one day you've done really well for a couple of weeks and you have a cigarette, who fucking cares? Just get back on the horse and don't let that, you know, that's another people like they'll have a good streak and then one little slip up and then they're just like hands up in the air. Yeah. But really use yoga to empower you, use it to help your breathing, to help your nervous system, to help you process stuff that's going to come up inevitably. And then, you know, get help in the form of friendships. Talking about it is courageous enough. enough. So I really applaud you for even asking the question. And we're pulling for you always. Yes. And on that note, as because we're all, listen, we all have our struggles and our, you know, our inner stuff and, you know, observing it, paying attention to it. And then you've got the chemical stuff in there that has come from this addiction that you're going to have to observe and know that it'll be tough, but it, you get over the hump and it's going to get there. So we love you and we're pulling for you. And I love you. And I love you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Write us with any wonderful questions. As you see, it doesn't have to be completely body related. We are, we don't have the answers. We'll just give you our 
ideas and might our you know like kind of opinions and that's all they are so if you have any ideas for anybody today you can always write us at support at lityoga.com um, write us your questions you can write us at that email or on instagram at laura.hyman kbwilliams99 and again we are pulling for you